There we go. So we're on episode 10 of Friday Night Counter-Attack. And as you can see, we're missing all the regular starters, which is very fun. Well, you won't be able to see it if you're listening, but the fact that it's just me today and I brought Danny Ziggers back from episode three as he was a fan favourite. So I thought we'll end the year in style. Danny, how you been? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. It's nice to see you again. Especially I know, man, but we've been cool, through... cool in off the subs bench. <laughs> Got that January transfer ready and waiting, so we're all well and good. Of course, uh, we can even talk about something about that today, can't we? About those transfer moves that are happening. And all of those free transfers that could potentially be happening as well. People like David Oliver and Sergio Ramos, end of a contract as well. Even if Meza Ozil can get an escape somewhere from Arsenal, that'd be a nice little escape for Meza Ozil, I'd say. But no, big moves, big moves. Big moves ahead. But no, I just wanted to talk about today just a few little things about just the year 2020 that's gone by and this will be the last one to be released in the year or it'll probably be the first of the new year whenever we release it but when we're releasing it we're at the end of 2020 so Danny I just wanted to ask how your 2020 has been as a footballing man and as a West Ham supporter so by all means go ahead it's been a hectic hectic year um I think we can all say that I think for one obviously the football stop in between March and what was it June end of June end of really? June yeah that was obviously, that was a bit disappointing. I think everyone was on their knees at that point, begging for some sort of sport in action. I think some people were turning to whatever they could find, like whether that would be like Lithuanian basketball <laughs> or just go to the, the deep, dark depths just to find that bit of sport. But um, it's been a hectic year. I mean, footballing, like actual playing football, um, again, that's that's been stop, start, stop, start. And that's been a, a major factor of, of just health and happiness and whatnot. But I'm, I'm lucky to say that I've, I've, I'm still here. I haven't been ill over the last nine months or so, um, so I can I can have that on my on my on my chest as such. I do I do kind of want. I know it's not the the best thing to say, but like when you look back at the like the life events of the world, and you can say, oh, did you did you get COVID? Were you were you positive at one point? If you say no, it's like oh okay, like you were just a, you were living by it. But I know some people will be like, yeah, they'll be loud and proud and be like, I, I had COVID, I beat COVID. What was COVID? What was even COVID there? Turned it over, packed it in, um, and then moved on. But I'm lucky enough, I've got my health, I've got my, my family, my friends, um, and I'm looking forward to see what, what happens next. Because you, you, when you take away reality from someone um, and you give it back to them, it's like the excitement of just being able to do all these such a small things, like being able to go down the pub or being able to go to a, a West Ham match and watch them lose 3-0. <laughs> it's like, oh, you get a little bit excited for it. How about yourself? What have you been like over the last? Well, this year has been awful, in all honesty. I've been, I started the year in 2020 getting married and it all just was looking so great until March. And I say until March when the pandemic hit, but like the last football game I went to was the Man United v Man City game when Scott McTominay scored that last minute goal from like the halfway line. I was like, things are just getting started. And then when Man United have been playing so well as a football team throughout the last again post Sir Alex Ferguson era whether you're Oli in or Oli out we've been playing fantastic football you've not been able to go to the stadium to see Bruno Fernandes work his magic and Rashford and Martial coming together and the emergence of Mason Greenwood as well so as a footballing fan I found that quite awful because even if we I was one of the lucky 2,000 fans to have gone to watch a game at Old Trafford it's not been happening because it's only for certain areas of the country which is awful and I think they do it with like the local fans as well which is like you have to be from like the same tier and stuff, which is just awful to see. But in terms of me playing, I found that very awful going on off every other week or so. If there's another lockdown going on, different tiers, if the goals is open or not. But it's just been a bit wishy-washy for me that the fact that my fitness has just been fluctuating a lot as well. You've gone from eating your normal calories and stuff, but literally being able to burn off properly at football, at boxing and running what I used to be doing to just going for a walk or just running because you lose that enthusiasm and you lose that energy and it's nothing down to like your mentality or your mindset it's just literally what it's at at the time that you're just there like I'm feeling really down on myself and I don't really want to be enjoying a, a kick about really or I don't really want to be doing this but then you just take it for granted after this whole pandemic's gone through so you miss little things like that there's the little things everyone misses those little things so it's like it's things you don't really pay attention to that actually like make you weak or like it makes your day, it's like, oh, even just like, like for me, it was just, I'd be on the train or whatnot and just be like, okay, like it's quite busy, but I still, I get to have myself my own time. Or if I'm at football, like just seeing all the lads before football and just having a bit of a banter about 
did you miss it? And obviously now it's going to be that 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 lag period of like, oh, are we allowed to do this? Or are we allowed to do that when it does go back to some sort of normality? Like imagine yeah. going to the pub now and sitting with like ten people around the, around the table, all having a pint and watching the TV and whatnot. It's going to be like, oh, like do we need to? Are we going to be like, oh, are we going to be in trouble? Like, do we need? Do to I need to scan this actual- table? Do I need to scan this? <laughs> all of that nonsense. I hate that. Do I need to still be wearing a mask? I hate that so much. Like, oh, on, off, hug, oh, handshake, oh, elbows, oh. oh I, had, I had a moment. It was a Sunday league match like a couple mm. of weeks ago, and um, like the, the match ended. Fair enough. Like obviously, all the boys go out to try and do like the the elbows and whatnot. Yeah. And it came to me and the manager, and the, ha- the manager put his hand out, and I'm like. I was like, I was like, whoa! I haven't seen that in like nine months. I haven't seen anyone put their hand up to shake my hand in like nine nine months. It's he was crazy. so confident. He had all of that sanitizer on. He had the best sanitizer available. There you go. Ninety nine point nine nine. But I was like, oh, I was like <laughs> reluctant. I think I ended up doing it in the end. And then afterwards, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna wash my hands now. You know, straight like, away. Yeah, might be doing that. Not stress well. about it. <laughs> We've never seen a year like it as well, which is insane. And it's just one of those things that if we get some sort of normality back in terms of fans going back in the stadium. Uh, you don't have to stop, start your training. You don't have to stop, start and worrying about, like even with your business, that may have been happening for you as well. Being in tier four, you probably have to cancel training or you probably have to cancel matches and stuff. And has that been any different for you recently? Yeah. So like, for example, uh, we were told um, that we couldn't train a couple of weeks ago and it was just like a killer. And we had to stop for a couple of weeks and it's like, <sighs> Like God, like give me a break. Like we're just gonna finish the end of the season, and then we got told, yeah, you can. But then you could restart. But then you couldn't restart. But then you could, but if you were at social distance or if you weren't mixing teams. And I, I think in the end, I just cancelled the session and was like, look, everyone go home, everyone relax, go and go and be a normal person for a couple of weeks, and then come back in the new year. So I was supposed to be running a session yesterday. Yeah, uh, like just like a football fitness session like after Christmas. You know, I labelled it like, like burn off the calories of of uh, Christmas. And uh, I had like quite a few kids respond. And as soon as Boris went, look, tier four, everyone was like, oh, do we, can we go? Like, can we still do it? Some people were like, yeah, don't care what happens. I want to do it. And then some people were apprehensive about it. So, but I cancelled it in the end. It's going to restart in the year. Look, just this is the time. Just everyone go and be normal. Sport, sport doesn't matter for the moment. For the moment. It's like, look, this is the time of year. Go and be with your families. If you can, go and just relax. Do something to make yourself better. Go and improve a skill. Go and do your homework. Or if you're a kid, like that's what I was telling my kids, go and do your homework. Mm. No foot champions. No trying to get elite one or gold three. Go and do your homework. Sit down, bet yourself at something and come back in the new year as a new person. They need that bit of challenge in them and that term of com- that type of competition in them as well. The fact that they're not just going to go home, be on their iPads, be on their Playstations and Xboxes. Just doing something organic, really training themselves, trying to find the best thing. Like, you, you don't really see many kids nowadays just going outside, kicking the football on the street or just practising left foot, right foot against the wall, which is, again, would have been fantastic if I had a garden. I'd happily be doing that. But because I'm moving flats, I don't have a garden to myself to practise. But, yeah. again, I'd appreciate that if I was back at my parents' house. But you, you learn to appreciate the little things differently. Yeah, of course. Like you said, like, oh, I don't have a, fl- I don't have a garden at the moment. And then these kids, I've seen some of I, some of the kids I coach. <clears throat> let's just say their their families are better off and stuff. And I look at some of their gardens and I go, "You have like a, a full on full size eleven side pitch in your garden, yeah." And you're sat there on the on the thirty two inch TV doing for twiddling your thumbs. Go out, go and be, go and literally do laps. Go, go and get yourself fitter. Go and do these all these touches so that you can better yourself. And so you, when you turn up to training, you're not like, oh, what did you get at the weekend in, in foot champions? Is oh, like, I'm actually going to be better than you on a pitch and I'm going to be more technically better than you. Tears coming out of my eyes. No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, do you know how lucky we would be if we would have grown up with like a proper garden? It's like you've got all the equipment there and you're yeah. just, sorry, I, I, I listened with a bit more personal interest than I should have done. But literally... Yeah, yeah. You've got a, a full garden in the background. Yeah. Got football, got goals. You've got all the equipment there. You don't need to worry about going into training as much as other people. But does exactly. that? I hope that really doesn't like stifle their development or ruin their drive for football. You should further it. If anything, you've got a head start yeah. in life. Even for other sports like cricket or rugby, you've got a head start with a big garden like that. Mm-hmm. It's insane. 
I remember when I was younger, there was a guy who went to my school and um, he he was a rugby player. He was like the star rugby player. Like he was yeah. signed to Saracens and whatnot and was the head of our team. And you looked at his house and his garden and he had, because he was, a, I think he was a kicker or something like that. He, he was the one that scored the, the um, me and rugby do not match. So do not hold me on any sort of rugby ability. Was he like number 10, like a fly half? I think, he, I think he was a 10. I think yeah. he was a 10. Yeah. And um, in his garden, he'd have like a full, full size rugby posts. Which are not small, by the way. They are They're not huge. Small. Like you stand next to them, yeah, you you are a minuscule man, and he'd st- like he could he could go thirty yards, fifty yards, sixty yards back, and he'd practice his kicking. And it's just like, oh yeah, no wonder you're so good at it because all I'd imagine you do is you just perfect and practice this skill. So yeah, anyway, I hope these kids, yeah, these kids aren't gonna aren't gonna take this, but they have to at some point, otherwise they just won't learn. <laughs> it's true. It's, you've got so much time in your life for PlayStation and games and social media and stuff that if you focus and you you hone your craft on something specific, you'll reap mm-hmm. wonders in the future. And it's going to be fantastic. Ah, oh, man. That was a cool story, actually, just listening to how you, you could probably develop more from a different background. And that's what we learned on our PFSA course as well. The fact mm-hmm. that different environments and different impacts has always impacted people differently in terms of how they've progressed and how they've valued what they've got around because you always hear stories like Jaden and Sancho and uh, people from like East London West London that they'd always play in the cages like Eze was the latest one there's like oh yeah, yeah I'd love just playing in the cages so I play still like a street footballer and I love seeing people like street footballers that just enjoy the game and they're not always just playing in a system or always just being like even though he's a cat he plays on the wing for Crystal Palace he still gets to enjoy a bit of freedom, him and Zaha, which is fantastic. And I think that's why Crystal Palace have been doing really well this season, personally. I think cage football is definitely one to look at. You go into any cage in um, specific, like I, I, I'm near South London. So South London for me is where I used to play football and used to come up against these absolute ballers. There's one there's one baller and he knows who he is because uh, I'm, I message him all the time saying like, you are you are ridiculous. He plays England side, England five sides. Yeah, yeah. He, he won a tournament with his team uh, in London, and they flew him out to LA, and they played a, a tournament against all the best five-a-side teams in the world. Yeah, eleven aside, again, he's naturally gifted, the fastest player on on the pitch, the most skillful one, and every single player like who plays against him will go like, yeah, he's got something about him. He recently played for uh, Cray Valley in the FA Cup. They got to oh, wow. the, the first round of the FA Cup with mm. this with this guy. So add, if you're watching this, Addy, I'm talking about you. Don't get yourself big-headed because I'll send this clip to you as well. But you ask him if he wants to go any higher or when I did ask him, like when people would ask him, oh, like, do you want to go and play higher? Yeah, They'd say, yeah, no, I don't care. Just want to play Just want to play five-a-side. Just want to go and play with my friends. Just play five-a-side, just chilling and mm. whatnot. Like he's been, he's been Adidas sponsored. He was in all the recent Adidas adverts. And I played with him at uni, but honestly, you look at him, he's like, yeah, he's doing rainbow flicks over people and he's on the left-hand side, just can't, yeah, try and catch me now, scoring goals from like just outside the box, just whipping him in. But he's like, yeah, he's so casual about it. It's like, yeah, five-a-side is where I like to play football, is where I like to express myself. And it's like, like you said, with the system, like five-a-side, there's no rules. Yeah. Five-a-side, you can do absolutely anything you want. If I want to do three, uh, like, little spins and then I want to nutmeg someone and then pass the ball off and do nothing for my team, yeah, you can do it. There's not a coach on the on down the back of your neck saying like, oh, why are you not producing X amount of expected goals and X amount of expected assists? And we've got to really look at your heart rate and your fitness levels this year. And if you want to progress into the first team, no, five aside, you're on a team. You could you could be with the best players and the worst players, but as long as you've got like a smile on your face and that little twinkle, then you're 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 happy days. You're moving. I can't imagine literally going to a five-a-side and being told off for doing things. Like, you'll get other players shouting at you. Like, for me, Arif or Raheel, for example. But I respond more to Raheel than Arif in terms of who I'm dealing with because one will just be like, you're doing this, 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 and this, but you can do it like this. But I'm just like, no, I don't want to. And some will just be like, you've done this, but it doesn't matter. Carry on. We'll go again, which is great because it's it's just the fun part of it. Like, sometimes I'll do, like... I, I describe myself as like Ham's G Sung or Ham's McTominay, just the energy in the team and just running around, breaking play up. But occasionally I'll do a step over or I'll try a, a roulette or random skills because I feel like it. And that's what it oh, is. You fancy it. 
you fancy it. I feel like I could take this person on in a different way. They wouldn't expect it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mostly doesn't, but it doesn't matter. It's still fun. They're still worth trying as well. Exactly, man. That's why too many kids are scared these days. Scared, scared, scared of being that creative spark. All the, all the courses, they're like, look, you need someone in your team who's going to be the creative spark. And I'm like, well, who? Because if I tell him he's not doing, if he's, if he's doing stepovers and trying to beat a man other than pass, I'm the one that's got to berate him and be like, oh, well, why are you doing that then? Well, no, I want to be the one that's, yeah, okay, well done. Try again. Keep going. It brings me to like a little topic about um, just leadership and captaincy. Like you may not be into cricket, but I remember a quote from Michael Vaughan who won the Ashes in 2005 with England. He was like, there's so much pressure from everyone else, the crowd, the media, the fans, et cetera, et cetera. Me as the captain, me as the leader, it was my job mm. to take the responsibility off the bowler or off the batsman. He can do what he wants when he's got all the pressure off of him and I can take it just for these next six balls or for the next however many balls he's into bat for and stuff like that. And it just reminds me of what you just said as well. When you're coaching your kids and they're playing their game, it must be the biggest thrill in your face to see some of them after working a week in, week out on their craft or if they've learned something new with their weaker foot or if they've learned to deliver a, a certain set piece or whatever it is. It must be the biggest feeling to see that they're not just afraid of just being in the system. They can be themselves on the pitch. 100%, 100%. I like to call that person the Mr. End Product. Yeah. Mr. Mr. End Product, because there's too many kids that I know that I coach and I'm like, if you just had that little bit of, a, of an end product, that extra... I'm going to take that man on and I'm going to produce, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you something extra, whether that be a goal or an assist or uh, an attacking piece of play, they'd be 10 times better. But sometimes they're like, okay, I'm going to do my job and then I might do a little bit too much where I lose it or I might not have just that end product where I can just find that killer ball. And those are the people that are going to make it in this world, the ones which you, that have the, the flair and the ones which stand out. But just, just touching on your, your leadership thing, I love to teach my, my boys and, and any anyone I come across with about leadership and just loyalty to whoever you are. Like, I'm a West Ham fan. I've had to sit there and watch Mark Noble being the captain for 16 years. Yeah. Like he may not be the best player on the pitch. Like he played number 10. He was a, he was in a 10 on uh, Sunday. Like who would who thinks Mark Noble can play a 10? But he probably went to the gaffer. Like look, I'll, I'll give you a shift. Mm. He's pretty played left mid, right mid, left back, right back for us in his time. I'll, I'll put in a shift for you, Gaffer. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the captain. I'll do what you need to do. And I always teach my boys, like, look, who's going to be a leader and who's going to stand up on this pitch for me? And you look around and you see the scared faces and you see the people who go, oh, like, yeah, I want to step up, but I, I, do I have it in me? And you'll get those one or two people that go, yeah, I've, I've got it in me. I know exactly what I can do. And there's, there's a guy on YouTube. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Sunday League football. Have you heard of the SE Dons? I haven't. No, this will be uh, good. You need you need to check out the SE Dons. They're a sun. They're a uh, South London uh, Sunday League football side, and they say they're like their main sort of motto and like mantra is like they're making South London glamorous. They're making the the, the South London uh, Sunday League football the the most watched Sunday League football in the world. They they play up against other teams like Beatties, uh under the radar. Like honestly, I, I suggest you check them out. But there's one guy on the SE Dons. He's the captain. He's called Big G. He's been the the soccer AM goalkeeper a couple of times as well. Okay, and he is the most challenge in the top bins challenge. Yeah, yeah. Like they they shove him in goal. He's called the six foot six Ugandan. He's the guy massive. Mm. Um, but his mentality on leadership and uh, like taking responsibility for mistakes and for the rest of your team yeah, is fantastic. I recommend just going and watch. Like if anyone's listening as well, go and watch the SE Dons and Big G. And just see what he does. Like he does his own little motivational stuff. Um, like his his backstory is incredible. So like, he lost both his mum and dad very very young. Oh no! Um, went to prison as well. Just got himself into the into the wrong crowd. Um, came out, picked himself up. Was like, look, I need to find something to to like expand my horizons in. Then he chose football. He chose football. He said, look, football is something I'm good at. I'm tall. I'm a goalkeeper. He said, look, if, you, if I very similar to me, like if I can't score, you can't score past me. Um, had his friends around him, was picked up by the Nike Academy, uh, very, very young, and now plays like semi-pro on a Saturday and then for the for the Dons on a Sunday. And oh, he's incredible. He's, well, not only is he a good player, but he's just the best leader I've, I've seen on, on any sort of platform at this moment in time. The ones which kids can actually look up to and that, like kids buy his shirt, like they, they sell the kit of the SE Dons 
and you think this Sunday league player, or he plays for Saturday, I think he plays for some Kent team on a Saturday, mm. a Sunday league player is getting kids all across the country, and I think they've got kids globally as well, buying your kit with your name on it. And you are essentially like a, a Z-list celebrity, but to them, you're their, role, you're their role model. Because you say all these things, like you say, like anything for the club, like anything for his mum and dad and whatnot. Um, anything for the Dons, they say. And it's like, you are just, you are, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I recommend going and watch it. But he's the best leadership like role model that I can recommend to anyone at Sunday League level at the moment. I don't know what's happening to me today. Again, I'm feeling emotional over this. Like the fact that <laughs> I've not even met the guy, but I feel like I want to run through a, through a brick wall for him. Honestly, like, let me let me try and see if I get some quotes up of him. His his Instagram is is incredible. Let me see, Essie Don's inspirational quotes. There's actually, there's actually an, there's a Twitter handle mm. called uh, Don's underscore quotes. They like just tweet about whatever he's doing. Perfect example. The, the first one I can see on this account it says, "We don't play for just winning things. We play for the club and what this club means." Just just off of that, it's like just a small glimpse of what he does. But yeah, anyone watching, anyone listening, go and watch the Dons. I recommend the Dons to you. Premier League clubs should take note of that. Clearly. 100%. You see so many, I'm not going to go into the cliche of overplayed players and stuff like that, but literally when, you see, when you've seen football since lockdown, you can hear the mic thing on like BT and Sky Sports highlights and whatever. You barely see the captains, a lot of them, like half the clubs, captains, Obama, mm. Yang, Maguire, really vocal. You barely see that happening and it's awful to see because they're leaders of like top, top clubs and the fact that you barely just see them lifting or motivating their team I mean you've got Bruno Fernandes who's a very vocal player for us and you probably have vocal players like David Luiz or uh, Tierney at Arsenal but the fact that you don't see from the, the one wearing the armband is ridiculous Can you imagine if they did more though? Can you imagine if say like Bruno Fernandes had a YouTube channel where even if he just did it in Portuguese like he went round and showed the club and showed his experiences at Man United yeah. do you imagine how many fans how many more fans would be like I'm actually like, I'm liking this guy because they call him a pen merchant, yeah. But like, look, you watch his YouTube channel, he has a bit of banter with other Portuguese players and, and whatnot in the, in the squad. Mm. It increases his popularity tenfold, ten times. I think that's what, there's a fine line between that because when you look at how everyone's got social media nowadays and you've seen how, like, the prime example is Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard. When Paul Pogba mm. was injured, he was criticised for being injured, for being <laughs> at his brother's wedding. And you're like... He's clearly got a cast on his leg, but Graeme Sooners on Sky Sports the next day is like, what's he doing at his brother's wedding? He should be getting fit for the team. And you're just there like, if he didn't post that picture, people would just assume, oh yeah, he's still injured. But again, the season afterwards, he was just there like, oh, he just doesn't want to play for the club and all of his controversy. And the same with Lingard as well. The fact that he's on social media, everyone's like, oh yeah, he doesn't care about football as much. That's why his form dropped since 2018. Because he's always on social media, and he started his own. What was it? His clothing line as well. Yeah, he did his Adidas clothing line. Yeah. Mm. But then again, on the positive of that, you see people like Alfonso Davies doing his like TikTok account and his own YouTube see? channel, and it's positive because everyone knows more about Alfonso Davies personally, and is putting the right kind of content out, which, which people enjoy. It's not brash. It's not big-headed. It's just fun. So enjoy. There's a Norwegian player for. Um, there's a Norwegian player who has his own fishing channel and people oh, okay. know him more from his fishing channel than they do as a footballer because he plays uh, <laughs> he plays for Bodo Glimp, the champions of Norway. But it's just the fact that people know him more for his fishing than they do for his footballing ability, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, when you talk about that, I've got an, I've got an example from the, uh, from the UK as well because I, I've been fascinated by this guy's YouTube channel. But obviously people know him a little bit more than this Norwegian guy. Let's go for it. What's your English person's name? Ben Foster. Have you heard? Have you seen Ben Foster's YouTube channel? I love, I love his GoPro, uh, his GoPro yeah. footage. If they had that in the Premier League for all the games, it would be insane. I've always He's said cool. ref, referees should have their own like cameras on them. It would be so immense having that when they're speaking yeah. to players. They do it in Australia, don't they? They uh, they mic up all their uh, referees in Australia, and it's brilliant because you get to see the decision making. And you're like, well, has this ref actually made a mistake or? Is he, is he actually got like a bit of reasoning about him? Like there's, over the weekend, there was a couple of decisions where you think, oh, I'd love to see, I'd love to be that fly on the wall. Like who was, which one was it? The the Wolves penalty, the when uh, Dyer with Fabio Silva, that one, I think Harry Kane even got dropped in that game as well, asking for a penalty. Um, just loads of them. It's like, you, you want to see like how stressed these people are. 
like obviously not in a bad way. I'm not trying to damage their mental health or anything. Be like, oh, I'm mm. just gonna start. Now I can hear what this this referee is saying. If he says anything wrong, then I'm gonna I'm gonna be on his back. But no, Ben Foster, the guy, the, the cycling goalkeeper, he calls himself. He's just he's just a funny guy. He's just one of these like uplifting lads. Like you can imagine being in the changing room with him, and you could be having the worst game, like the worst like moment of your life, yeah. And he'd come in, he'd crack a joke, he'd make you feel better. And then that's just him. But that's his experience. He's been in what? He's been in so many different squads for how long, how many long years? Like 15, 17 years? Yeah, he started like, at Watford in like 2005, six, and he went to Man United and just went around to different clubs and stuff. So he's been there and done he's that all the levels. He's been everywhere. And now like, he's, uh, he most recently did his Christmas, Christmas uh, vlog, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. showed what time he got to Watford training ground, showed what he was doing at the club, what he ate on that day. He even had his heart rate monitor on him during the game, so he was able to show how he was feeling during the game. And as a, as a goalkeeper, as a young goalkeeper, you might want to watch those and be like, okay, right, what is he saying? Like, what can I pick up? Can I copy him? Can I be? Can I, he be my role model as a player? So I really respect what he's doing at the moment. And that's something that's enjoyable as well, because... Like you said, with kids all in lockdown and stuff, instead of just watching, I'm not a big fan of, you know, the whole YouTube compilations and montages and stuff like that. Never. I, I hate that because it just glams up. I remember watching one as a kid, watching Nanny from Man United. And he does a skill and then he does like a long pass and stuff. But the pass from that game, it went out of play. So it went for a throw in. <laughs> People only saw that bit of the step over in the pass. And then just cut to him scoring a long range goal. And you're just there like, I hate these kind of things. And that's why I'm so grateful that like you and I as qualified scouts now, we can watch stuff on Y Scout and all of this and we can watch games in full. And it's been fascinating to learn that. And I think if like kids had that option as well, if they can afford, if they can't afford uh, sports channels, they can still find proper ways of watching full individual highlights of players. If you want to look at a midfielder, look at Tony Cruz. If you want to be a goalkeeper, look at or Casillas, that general thing of just following a proper goalkeeper through their training regime, through what they study, what they learn, what you can pick from them, things like that. There's two types of people that I hate within the the scouting world or the the ITK world, you know, like mm. the in the know world. So, so if I if I go on Twitter and I, I usually I scroll through football Twitter quite a lot, I follow quite a few football accounts, mm. and I'll see a name that I haven't really heard before. Um, the most recent one was uh, for, for West Ham it was uh, like Kufau or Suchek like, yeah. no one knows who these players are when when you look unless you're sitting there and you're watching uh, Czech Republic football every weekend because you've got a bit of a fiver on them to score first or something like that no one knows who they are I'm like okay cool I'll, I'll do what every like you said every other player does and I'll, I'll go onto YouTube and I'll, I'll type in their name and I'll try and see what comes up the first video that will be there will be Thomas Suchek, welcome to West Ham United. Yes. Well, well, or like uh, Bruno Fernandes, welcome to Man United. I hate that with a passion so much. You can carry on talking about it for the next hour and I'll just agree with every single thing. (laughs) Nah, doing step overs, they're doing Ronaldo chops, they might even do like a no-look pass. Like I said, it goes out of play. This no-look pass that he plays has gone straight to the opposition. They've gone down the other end. They've scored a goal. They're celebrating. And your player's still looking at his Instagram being like, oh, yeah, but that would be a good clip on my welcome to Man United or welcome to Arsenal like playlist. And it's just got like EDM music in the back and people are just there like, oh, yeah, this will be a good reel and everyone will follow me and see what I'm like. But the other other thing to add to that is the fans that back them, the ones that are just there like... Like, for example, whenever Man United are linked with someone, everyone and their mum who's a Man United fan, will know about this player immediately. Like, we were linked in the summer with a centre-back from Villarreal called Paul Torres. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's a left, he's a left foot centre-back, is versatile, he can do this, he did really well against uh, this, that and the other. But you're just there, like, copying and pasting what someone else has said. Mm-hmm. Or you're just there making crap up, which is yeah. awful, because you're just there, like, like, Man United are linked, or we may get a player called... Uh, Diallo from Atalanta but everyone's going to be like oh yeah he's the next best thing he's got messy skills he's got a low sense of gravity and this and you're just there, like you've not seen the boy play you've not seen 90 minutes of Atlanta play football this season I mean they may have done in the Champions League and whatever but you get my point the fact that yeah. people just make stuff up to back their case Arsenal fans probably didn't know much about Gabriel Martinelli but they're sure no. as hell going to back him now because he's a world he's a world class prospect I would say I think he could be one of the top top talents of European football but 
that's just my opinion from what I've seen. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's been incredible. I think when they when he went injured, um, for what like a period of like three months maybe. Yeah. And you're like, well, they need that spark off the bench, and you go, okay, right, who who else have Arsenal got? Oh, you've got Pepe on the bench. We'll bring Pepe on. And then Pepe does his, his world-class, like, famous like Anne Frank impression, just hides in the corner and just doesn't do anything. Um, <laughs> and it's got his amazing step-overs and his cutting like Arjen Robin, but you're just there like, the goal isn't big enough to get his shots in the goal. But yeah, people will be I can, like... I can make that compilation. Welcome yeah. to welcome to Arsenal. Arsenal's next next Ronaldo. Yeah, next replacement for whoever they're, they're replacing that right wing. They, they, they need to get the best out of these players, but... It's awful when they get overhyped so much. I hate that so much. Or when people lie about knowing them. That's the worst feeling. Ah, uh, sorry. This is this is what I was going to get onto. So the, the so the first time is the is the welcome to Man United videos. Yeah. The mm. second one, and I hate it because I'm a part of it in some points. Yeah. Is the FIFA community that that is, scout that is players, so misleading. So misleading. Scout players. They the could have an prospects. They could have an inform during like a team of the week and they get like a little bit of a boost mm. or there'll be like a really like overpowered card and you go and watch them, yeah? Or they, or they get linked to your club. They get linked to your club and you're like, okay, cool. Like, uh, I've seen him on FIFA. Um, he's got he's got good pace. Uh, he's got good shooting. He's, he's a little bit physical. Um, and then he turns up to your club, yeah? And then he's the next... He's, oh, he's the next, What's the guy's name um, that, was, that, that got signed for being someone's cousin? And oh, then, was it Weir? That that yeah. Um, it was. I forgot his name, but it was basically George Weir's cousin, uh, and it was like Graham's for Southampton. George Weir, Ali Dia, that's his name for, for oh, Southampton. Wow. Ali Dia. He's just he's just the next him, but Ali Dia, yeah, on mm. FIFA, he could be that he could be six foot two, uh, eighty three pace out of out of ninety nine, eighty strength and eighty physical, has the long shot trait. And then all these all these FIFA people, including myself, I, I like to dabble in, in that old FIFA community, not as much as some people. Mm. But like, oh, stick him in your team, yeah. Whip long balls into him, just like I do. I'll run down the line with my Messi or I'll run down the line with my Rafinha. I'll whip it into the box and he's always there to bang it in top corner. And you're like, oh, okay, all right, I'll, we'll give this guy a go. We'll, we'll see how he goes. He comes off the bench, say like the first game of his, of his new signing. Mm. career whatever club it is and he has a stinker he has an absolute howler and then you go all right well what have we just spent like 30 million on we've just been recommended this player like he, we've just typed in the, a few random letters on google and his name came up i think i can agree with that as well the fact that i haven't bought fifa 21 yet because i'm waiting for a next gen console the fact that i've been doing a lot more hands-on scouting and a lot more understanding of the game properly from a different point of view since we did our course in what september october time I've loved mm. it because it challenges you and your mindset a lot more because listeners will have listened to me say that I don't like picking players that um, I haven't seen from like, the past and stuff like that because you're not going to... If you haven't seen someone play 90 minutes, you don't know about them. Like it's, it's little things like I'd like to say Johan Cruyff was one of the most amazing players to have played the game of football, but I've not watched Johan Cruyff play 90 minutes of football. He's, everyone else can say it if they've seen him, which is perfectly fine, but my understanding is... I've seen more of players like Fred and Scott McTominay to know if they're a good player or a great player or a not very good player. But mm. when you see them personally, you have that entitlement. You can actually say to yourself, oh yeah, I've seen him play. He's good. He's not very good. It's like when I went to watch Man United versus uh, West Ham, my first ever game, there was a, it was like 2012, 2013, we were playing. There was uh, a couple of youngsters playing and they were playing around. Like, there's a player called uh, Alexander Butner, who's a left back for us. Oh yeah, I know. I have heard of the name. Don't worry. And I think he was playing instead of Ever that night. And I was like, you know what? I think he'd be a really good player. But then when I went to watch him play at that West Ham game, he was just semi decent because no disrespect to West Ham, but I think he didn't have the best of right wingers on at the time, so he wasn't no, really course. challenged. But then the next season, when I went to watch Man United v Bayern Munich in the Champions League, one of the biggest nights of the last ten years for Man United. We drew 1-1, but he did get ruined by Robin and Rafinha a lot, which, is, which isn't bad, but it's just the fact that you, you can see his level, basically. He left like a season or two after that, uh, after that. but you just kind of know, oh yeah, he, we think he's really good because Sir Alex Ferguson signed him to be an ever a replacement, but he didn't last two or three years, basically. So that's my... He's in Holland now, doesn't he? Somewhere yeah, in Holland? For like Vitesse or somewhere like that, but it's just he found his level, really. 
and it's just everyone instead of overhyping a player because he plays for your club, just be a bit honest with yourself and with other people. That is not going to be the best player ever, or this, that, and the other. Yeah, well, that's where I, I chime in with my messy uh, debate. Yeah, because uh, obviously the goat broke the record the other day. Mm-hmm. But uh, people in Brazil just can't handle it. They just can't handle that an Argentinian is uh, has beaten the record of the the mighty Pele. People are just so, saying, "Oh yeah, we found a couple more goals." That sounds yeah. like he uh, he played a, he played a few friendly games against the local farmers and he scored four hundred goals. It's like sorry, sorry. So we start in... counting Messi's youth goals or Messi's uh, disallowed Pre- goals, pre-season <laughs> friendlies and stuff like that. Yeah, when he was in the when he was in the back garden, so we start counting those as well. Like, no, Pele scored this amount of goals professionally during his time. No ifs, no buts about it. There was no more goals for Santos that he scored. They just need to hand that trophy over to the goat, the Portuguese Brazilian factory that they produce. Pele, all these other players, Garincha, Cristiano Ronaldo, Eusebio. Yeah, stand aside, let Messi come through and take his place on the on the throne of football. And pe- like, if it didn't happen, they wouldn't have made up these random goals as well. That's the fact. 400 goals. Oh yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, actually. Actually, so you know, like when you're playing in the playground, it's like, mm. oh, next goal wins. Oh yeah, we were, like, we're winning 10 nil. Yeah, but next goal wins, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it angers me. I saw it, I was just like, no, this has got to be something. It's got to be fake or some Brazilian reporter. But they were like, no, look, they scored this many goals in this year's for Santos. And, uh, and just digging out the his, digging out the history book, and they're just there like, oh yeah, he scored one here, he scored another one here. That wasn't an own goal; that was by Pele. Just changing mm-hmm. the history books going back, which is awful to see. When you're writing an essay and you uh, and you start putting like loads of random words in, or you start repeating your sentence, just like, adding yeah. longer words just to get the word count up <laughs> and the letter count up. Yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. I don't know the feeling. No one knows that. I know no, 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 of course, no. no. If, you're, if you're watching, if any of my teachers are watching or listening from secondary school, no, it, it didn't happen. Not at all. I hope no, I'm pretty sure no one from my secondary school will be watching this, so it's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but in case someone leaks it to them, it didn't happen. It didn't happen, Mr. Whiting, I swear. I'd say we'd go on to probably one of the fun topics of today is what would be one of your biggest surprises of 2020 from the, the world of football? And there has been a few, and we're not going to include the pandemic of, of being a surprise because that's just a surprise for everyone in the world. That was a big surprise. That was a horrible surprise. That was a worse surprise. Exhausting surprise. I've got one. So it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a I've got two really, but the, the first one I just find so, so, so funny. Mm. So I'd have to find the exact team that it was. Um, a team in Asia, I believe it was South, South Korea, FCCO, I've got it up here. Yeah. Hit by the pandemic, no fans allowed in the stadium. So they they had to come up with a genius idea to make to make the, the stadium look good. Oh my god! I, they I, uh, I think I know which one you're talking about. They they could put flags up. Okay, okay. Mm. They they thought about that. We could put uh, other sort. Of, we could make the fans like just cut out cardboard cut out to the fans. We saw that as well. Like the rest of the world. They, yeah, like the rest of the world. Like Charlton, I think if you paid ten pound at Charlton, you could have your your uh, your face at the stadium on a on a on a mannequin. Mm. What did they decide to go and do? Sex dolls. They decided to shove like twenty thousand sex dolls into the stadium. Oh, sorry, two dozen sex mm. dolls. Just to, not twenty thousand. I thought it was more than that. Two dozen sex dolls uh, in the stadium with like the full like kit on. Uh, just supporting the team, you know. Just got to be there just to give the moral support. The loyal fans, right there. That's get what that testosterone up. Just get them boosted. Get them ready and absolutely pumped for the game. Literally pumped for the game. That gives uh, another meaning to the word plastic fan. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> another thing, plastic fan. Yeah, and they got fined eighty-one thousand, I think, or uh, pounds. I think it was whatever their currency is. Mm. how stupid can you be that you would think you would get away with that and no one would notice the world yeah, 81000 dollars was it that says here uh, the club said they were deeply humiliated they fans and they said I wonder how they even came up many people like how they had to, how do you even come up with that sort of idea or concept their marketing department must have all just been fired off of that what an awful yeah. thing to do just what they had in the stock room just like oh mm, we've got a, or who is who the sponsor is? Be like, look, 
brilliant idea. Like, let's just shove the leftover sex dolls into the stadium. They look like humans, okay? We're trying to promote that as well. Let's put them on and we'll see what happens. I can't, I can't fathom that. That just goes beyond me. Go above my head and beyond <laughs> me. Why would you do something like that? What was the other thing you had? Uh, just the amount of English talent that has come through in Europe this year. Yes. Um, like names in, uh, so like Musiala. At, Bayern Munich. Uh, Bayern Munich. Mm. You've got, um, who's the guy who plays for Valencia? Is it Mensa or? Um, Yunus Musa. Musa, that's the one. And USA, USA have snapped him up before Gareth Southgate. So he may get a full international cap. Have they? Yeah, he's played like twice in the like friendlies and stuff. That's so an interesting get... one. So, but Southgate is like, no, 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 we'll pick you eventually. But USA are like, no, we'll have you now. So when I did the scouting report, I was like, oh, he's an England international, but it's from the USA. And then a week later, he's got his USA cap. So I'm like, damn it. He may have lost another uh, one, but we'll see how it goes. Hopefully he comes. That is, that is disappointing because I thought he was going to be one for the future. So I had a look at him at Valencia. I watched one of his games and I was like, this guy's got a bit of bite. And then obviously the, the main one, Number 22, Jude Bellingham. 17 years old. I hope, I hope they retire his jersey at Dortmund. Sell him, retire his jersey. He needs, to, he needs to be honoured everywhere he goes. Definitely, 100%. It just needs to be done. And to add to that, I have another player who's probably not as big as the names, but he has gone abroad and he has kind of started his new career. He went from Cambridge United to Roma. Oh, Okay at like 15, 16 years old. And it's just ridiculous. It's honestly ridiculous how you can go from Cambridge to Roma. His name is, I, I don't want to butcher it. I'll probably have to, I'll go as slow as I can. But his name is Mubunia Alemanji from Cambridge United to Roma. And he's 16 years old. He's got a three-year contract. And they paid like 70,000 pounds and is in their youth squad. They're under 17, 18 squad. And it's ridiculous. He's, he's basically a scholar before his time professional. What the BBC doing? article says here, the teenager who swapped Cambridge for Roma, like every other teenager that would do that. <laughs> Tell some of your teenagers to swap um, London for Rome. How about that? That'd be oh, I might have to. They'll, 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 before I even say the word Rome, they'll be like London to, and then they'll just take it without even knowing. They'll be like, look, yeah, whatever. Sure, I'm off. There's uh, another player as well who plays in France. Um, plays for Lyon, I think. Is it Griffiths? No, there's a. Um, he plays for the England under 21s. Is it um, Panzo? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. He, he, from what I saw at the 21s game, was very, yeah. very good. He was one of the World Cup winners from the under 17s, that whole Phil Foden era and Ryan Brewster. Yeah, so he, Jonathan Panzo. That's it, Jonathan Panzo. Oh, look, so it says here that he's already played for Bruges and he's next week, he plays for Monaco at the moment. That's insane. And, yeah, Bruges, Monaco, and he's turned down interest from like Coventry and Derby. Look, message to all the English players: you're going to get more experience playing for a league, like a, a professional top league side yeah. in another country than you would do getting playing for Coventry. And now I do apologise to all the Coventry fans out there, but I'd rather go and play for Bayern Munich and get 20 minutes, maybe half an hour every week, than go and play for Coventry and go and play Stoke away on a Tuesday night. There is a Coventry player who's on loan in Iceland. I forgot his name, but I found that quite fascinating as well. He goes to Iceland to literally play, get some game time. I'm like, I love that. Again, that will lead into one of my shocks of the year, surprises of the it. year. It was the team called Bodo Glimt that have gone from like relegation in Norwegian in the Norwegian top league to well, nearly relegation to champions and some of the best football Norwegian football has ever seen in their entire lives. And I wouldn't have known this if I wasn't on a scouting course. The fact that you're learning about football from different countries that you thought you'd never really care about. And Norwegian football has never seen talent like this. And they did so well that they got to the Europa League qualifiers against AC Milan, where they lost 3-2. And in that team, they had that player Jens Petter Hauger, who was so good in that game, he got moved from that uh, Bodo Glimt team to AC Milan because Paolo Maldini went to him personally after the game. And he was like, you're too good for this team. I want you to play for our team. And he's killing it for AC Milan. And I think we did a poll on our Instagram page that were like, do you think he's going to be one of the top talents of 2021? Most people were like, no, because I feel like that's just a lack of education. But I feel like there's also so many amazing talents out there. But I really personally think this guy is going to go all the way in football. And I think him and Haaland will take 
Norwegian football to a next level, like how the USA are doing with their youth players, which is crazy. Is that and where it, he came from? Yeah, because I saw him. I saw him uh, pop up in a in a few tweets or like a few like news articles, but I didn't see actually. I didn't have a look. I just saw he signed for AC Milan. Yeah, it's like the long longish hair one. Yeah, yeah, the blonde uh, one. Okay, that's interesting because I looked at him. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll keep an eye. I know I know the name now. Obviously, I'm not going to go. In. And uh, and search after him. Are there any what Italian football is probably my least favorite football out of all, all the that, European countries? That was like with me, but unlike the previous podcast, I was saying how much I enjoy watching this year's AC Milan team. It's a fun mm-hmm. one to see, and they kill it at the moment with their style of play against the slower type of Italian teams. But with this Bodo Glimp team, the fact that they've gone to champions and they've literally developed a whole new nucleus of Norwegian talents, the fact that they obviously, well, they don't obviously, but they play like the Arctic Circle. So they're one of the most northern teams, football teams in the world. So daylight is a rarity for them. Uh, when, when I went to Tromso on holiday, as you do going from, to Tromso on a holiday, you got like three, four hours of daylight in the winter and their season finished in December. But it's the fact that they have done so much over the last three, four years to go from almost relegation to the top of the league in Norway. And that... and. I'm going to put this guy's name in the description who's got a really good Twitter account about Norwegian football. I forgot his name, but he was very educated and well-versed in Norwegian football. No one will probably listen to it, but I'm going to put that anyway if there's one person out there who's interested in Norwegian football of how they've gone from the bottom to the top and they've gone to literally having some of the best talents in Norway at the moment. And the fact that Norwegian football has always been against the south of Norway compared to the north of Norway, there's been a big divide about that. I found that quite fascinating and good on them. I'm glad to see that. We're seeing some new names and some new teams from different countries. It's not the whole Spanish, Italian youngsters coming through. Get Norwegian youngsters, American youngsters. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check out some Norwegian football. Norwegian I've football. Got, I've got quite a few of like, um, that's like my for example, my girlfriend's Polish and all of her family are, are Polish and diehard Legia Warsaw fans. Mm. So I'm, I'll sit there sometimes and I'll watch the, the matches and, and whatnot. Yeah. And there was this one player, one player, one player called uh, Michal Karbovnik and I've probably absolutely butchered that name and I've had a howler but Karbovnik and if you're a Brighton fan out there watching have fun with this guy he's a, so he's a left back who's also a centre mid sort of like a David Alaba type of versatile player where he can play on the wing and then play centrally as well they signed him for £8 million and then they loaned him back to, to Legia uh, Warsaw for the rest of the season this guy is quality. When he comes to the Premier League next year, he's going straight into my fantasy team, that's for sure. Because um, he'll be cheap. No one will really take a look at him. And he'll be one of those people that can get assists and get goals. He, he recently played in one of Poland's uh, European qualifier games. And I think he got an assist, in, uh, maybe an assist in one match and then a clean sheet in the other. And every single game, he's like just always creating something, always he's quite pacey, he likes to get down the wing, or if he's playing centrally, he can zip a ball about and sort of keep that ball and keep that possession. And for a player who's like five foot six, five foot eight, like you're looking at him like, okay, well, how are you able to do this without being knocked off the ball? And he's just so quick and he can zip around players. So he's definitely someone to watch out for. Like all these weird countries, if there was just some sort of system where you could just take your vision and this can obviously lead on to other points that we can talk about. There was some system where you could look and you could just use your eyes through the people who sit there and they devote their time to watching this type of football and you can spot like them. It would be ingenious. It'd be in- You'd find so many gems. It'd be amazing. And hopefully that's like with the future of scouting because there's, a, there's a, literally a 17-year-old boy from Bangalore in India who's a scout for Dundee United, I believe which is insane. And he's never been to Scotland in his life. Going to Ashwin Rahman, he's 17. He's younger than you and I, and he's got a job at one of the, the higher clubs in Scotland as well. And he's getting paid just from his knowledge of football, football manager and TV as well, which is ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And that could be the future of scouting as well, because we've both been told that as a scout, you'd have to go out, you've got long drives ahead, you've got to put in the hard miles and stuff. But like I applied for a job at Aston Villa as a video scout. I didn't get it, but for if more clubs were to do video scouting and you actually objectively look at football without commentary, without punditry, without fans, you look at players one-to-one, we'll learn a lot more. And fair play to this kid from, from India. And I hope he does really well. And I hope his name gets um, 
just highlighted around the world that this is a, a very inspiring thing to see. And if we can get jobs from stuff like that, that would be quite cool as well. Just working from yeah. home, scouting, watching football objectively, and it'll be fantastic. I need him to have a look at my LinkedIn profile and see what sort of tips I can get from it. I'm literally just getting nothing from LinkedIn at the moment. It's awful. <laughs> I'm just there like, yeah, I'm a scout, but no, no one's about, no one wants to hire me at the moment. Someone LinkedIn scouts and agents are just, I'll see, I'll see uh, an agent in big quotation brackets for people listening. Mm. I'm looking for a, a left back or a right back. Uh, transfer market value of 300k. Uh, he's got to be six foot two minimum with uh, 15 years of experience in a top division side, but he's got to be 17 or under. And you get all these people who are like just looking to be seen, just commenting like, look, DM me, DM me, DM me. And you just know it's just fake. And it's just all some guy fake... trying to get attention. It's all of these fake agents from places around the world. And you're just there like, hello. And then they'll just message you back. I'm interested in your job. What do you do? And you're just yeah. there like, it's, it's in the description, my friend. You'll see, you can read it. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, do you have this player available for me? And I'm like, I don't have a player available for, <laughs> for you in the Philippines to mm. come and have a trial at your club. It shows very clearly on my LinkedIn that I'm not at a club at the moment. I'm just a freelance football scout trying to get a job, just like you. But I don't have a player available to send for a trial at your club. Maybe I'm waiting for the day, yeah. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that day, that one day. You're like, oh, actually, mm. I've got just the person to match that description. No, I can't wait for that. That's going to be so much fun. When we've, we've both got to that situation, we're just there like, ah, yeah, I know, I know exactly the player. And it always comes to me, yeah, we'll go for a trial there. First phone, just like, yeah, all right. We've just, a, we've just we've just alienated so many of the listeners, but it doesn't matter. We're talking we're talking football language, you and I, which I love. That's all good. It's all good. They'll, they'll pick up on it soon enough. We'll have to have like a glossary, like a scouting glossary. That can be an episode, scouting glossary, when you explain all the terms. We'll enjoy all the terms properly as well, which will be fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you what do you hope for twenty twenty one to happen to you, Danny? Moyes out. Moyes out. That's the I only bet. thing I want from twenty twenty one. I back Moyes out. The amount of second talent you have and he's just benching them is ridiculous. You could say to me that COVID-19 lasts the whole year. No, actually, don't say that to me. Don't say that to me. But as long as you say to me that Moyes leaves mm. and they don't renew his contract, if they renew his contract, yeah, I might have to go um, on, uh, as a fan out on loan. And if you can put the first letters and make the anagram and make the uh, abbreviation of what that will stand out to, the fan out on loan. Um, the full. I'm going to go and support a new team. I yeah. think I might go to my my local team. I might, I might go to Epsley and become an Epsley fan. Up the fleet. Up the fleet. That it's going to happen. You pay you pay so much money for Ben Rama. Don't play him. On Sunday we played we were playing a good team. We needed to and Brighton. Brighton are a solid team. I like what Brighton are doing. I like what the manager's doing there. They play attractive football, even if they're, yeah. it's like with Leeds, like Leeds play attractive football, but they're down at the bottom. Brighton play attractive football, but they're down at the bottom as well. Yeah. It's fun but to watch. When you, when you hear the, the team Brighton, do you hear goals galore? Not really. Or like an attacking threat where you're like, look, this could put a team like West Ham uncomfortable. You hear attacking threat. They're just missing that proper goal scorer. Welbeck and Mopi, okay. But that's just what I'd say at the moment. And as a manager... Okay, this is then the next piece. So you hit, you're playing against Brighton, you're, you're playing at home. You've been playing quite well recently. You've got wins against Leicester. You've got wins against Chelsea. All these top teams, yeah? You did really do well against Man United, I should say. Man United. Do you then go and play 5-3-1-1? You don't. No. <laughs> you don't With Noble in the 10. Mm. And just, oh my God. It pains me. We had five defenders, okay? We had a right-footed player at left wing-back. Who was our goal scorer for the first goal? Ben, ben Johnson. Another young goal. talent coming through. First goal at West Ham. Uh, he's been here since seven. So that's a good, solid 13 years on him. And then you play Bowen and Haller up, up top with Noble in the 10. And then Bowen being our best player, you take Bowen off. And then you don't bring on Ben Rama, our 20, 30 million pound signing, yeah? You bring on Yarmolenko. 
and sorry, Lanzini was the spark in that team. Mm. Yeah, they, they actually were the spark. But Bowen, if you keep Bowen on, you take off Noble, and you play that front four of Haller, Ben Rama, Bowen, Lanzini, and you just have Rice and Suchek sitting in behind them, and then you take off maybe one of the centre halves, and you play four four two three one or four two four. That is a team that's going to get you top eight football. Not, oh yeah, one week we might play Haller. And then lands and then four nows might be playing left mid, the guy with minus 42 pace. I can't say four as a winger. He's a fantastic centre mid. He's got that creative spark, but his confidence gets shot when you see him on the wing. And that's just one of the things you can say about David Moyes. Like he'll like the the fact that there's even rumours of Arnautovic coming back to West Ham must be grinding your gears. It must be awful to hit. It's like Tennis coming back to Man United. Honestly, it's like, oh, okay, but we were doing really... What do we need? We need a striker. Oh, I know a striker. He's in China. I, yeah, he's, he's in China. He's enjoying his life, scoring goals, making money. Oh, he's, oh yeah, but he used to play for West Ham. And he, he knows the West Ham way. But it's like Bale coming back. Can he do it for Spurs again? Has he done it for Spurs again? I might eat my word saying that. He might win them a trophy at like Europa League. But oh, I, no, I, don't, I, I don't think Bale's got it anymore, unfortunately. He's always in and out of the squad. And you've got other players that can play in that position. In a time where pace is key for a lot of players in his position, you look at the players like Adama Traore, mm. um, Daniel Podence, like players like the batter Bukayo Saka at Arsenal, where pace and just getting at players is key. I haven't seen him be able to replicate the same way he was prolific in his, using his pace and his ability to get round a player and go and attack a goal like he did to Mykon. When you're turning Mykon inside out at White Hart Lane and at the San Siro, yeah, that's when you know you've got something special. I haven't seen that yet. When he's when he's coming up against, who was he up against on the other day? He was against Stoke um, the other day. Scored a header, but he wasn't the the old Gareth Bale. He didn't try to threaten, and he didn't have that same work rate about him. That work rate literally was underrated at his first part at Tottenham. Like that game at White Hart Lane was because he was chasing down players like Stankovic and Cambiasso and Zanetti and. Obviously, getting into their faces a bit. He has lost that tenacity. We'll see if it was worth a, worth a loan move or not. Maybe it was Zidane was right at the end of the day. I think you, when you look at the, the game for me, which made me think that Gareth Bale was a superstar, was mm. the one against West Ham. I don't know if you remember the hat trick. I, I remember two of them, but I remember the one where he scored that last minute goal. Uh, the Gary O'Neill, where you took on Gary O'Neill and then just scored from outside the box at like 40 yards out and ran to Vias Boas. Was it that one? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You look, you look at that that goal. That goal was probably one of the the, the best goals of the last twenty years. Mm. The, the atmosphere, the the rivalry between West Ham and Tottenham, um, just what it meant for both teams. It put West Ham in a horrible position in the league, and I think that was maybe the year we got relegated. I'm not entirely sure. I could be I could be eating my words here, but I think that's the year we got relegated. It was the year you got promoted because you got promoted that year, 2012, 2013. But I'm not sure if you got relegated again. But still, it, it put us in a position where we could have done with a point. Mm. We could have really done with a point against a team like Tottenham, where they turn up to the Berlin and we're like, okay, right, this is where we need to we need to prove our worth. We need to prove that we can afford to stay in the Premier League. And he takes all of our hopes and all of our dreams, just like for a blowing bubble song, and they fade and die just in a single, single, single left-footed strike, mm. just like that out of nowhere, plucked it out of nowhere. The whole game was in our hands and they kept on crawling it back and they'd crawl it back a little bit more. And then eventually you go, right, 90-something 90, 90 minute, he's going to take it on his left foot and he's going to actually top, top, put it in a stanchion. It was the most, it was unsavable as well. I think UC Escalina was the goal at the time. Unsavable from big old UC in goal. It's just, oh God, like what can you do? when you? And then you look at him now and he's like, oh, he's just a golf playing ponytail guy, isn't he? Mm. And you'll just see like memes about him playing golf and the Wales golf Madrid thing in that all Wales golf Madrid. <laughs> and just uh, like what's happened to him? He's gone from such an amazing talent to, I mean, under Carlo Ancelotti, he was outstanding. He was the guy to be Ronaldo's heir. But then when Zidane came in, he was a great, okay, great, but as like a bench warmer, came off the bench, Champions League final against Liverpool and scored one of the most amazing goals we'll ever see in a final. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he was just neglected. And I think. That's just what happens, unfortunately. You win some and you lose some with your footballing heroes. And Gareth Bale was one of those footballing heroes, unfortunately. It was a goal in the, the Super Cup as well, wasn't it? Against Barcelona. Was it Barcelona? 
where he, he ran off the pitch. Cop- yeah, Copa del Rey final. No. That's the one. And he ran off the. He goes off the pitch. Goes yeah. See you later. There's the burners. There's there's fifth gear. And we're taking it on. Um, we're taking the trophy home. And Ronaldo was out of the team as well. I remember him celebrating on the touchline. It's crazy. Oh yeah, was that for an injury? Or for who just got told? Things injury or suspension, one of the two. But I remember it's just down to Bale just running the show, and he did. Moyes out is what the, uh, the storyline is of 2021. My story. And for yourself, what, what do you reckon? For me, I, I, the most amazing thing to hear would just be seeing Man United win a trophy under Solskjaer and all of these people. And I will say it's also a lot of Man United fans that want him out. Like, I don't, I'm never that guy to hound a manager up because I feel like that's just something that's become new since social media. Oh, we've lost a game, Solskjaer out. Oh, we've done this, Solskjaer out. But we're playing good football. We've got a team that's inconsistent at the moment with home draws and defeats and stuff like that. But if Solskjaer was to win, let's say, the Europa League or let's say an FA Cup, just get some silverware on the board and we don't have to put the reset button and get another manager in and start with this whole three-year cycle of getting a manager in, getting top four, getting Champions League, getting the signings he wants, and then just repeating process. It's happened under three managers already. Moyes didn't even get a chance. We just sacked him off for a season. And it's, you're just there like, oh, now we have to waste more time with him. And I, I, want, I want to see people eat their words. I do want to see people that are there like, oh, I hate social as a PE teacher. But you're a Man United fan, represent your club. Even if, even if people are going to complain, like even people in our, our podcast, Vision, Raheel, don't like uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they'll get another manager in. But it's just, you, sometimes you have to play the patient game. If Sir Alex Ferguson started his career now in this era, he didn't win a trophy for three, four years. So if, if he was to have started now, everyone would just been like Ferguson out, Ferguson out. Even in back in the day, there was pet, uh, petitions from Man United fans. They wanted to hound him out and stuff like that. And those fans must have been eating their words when he retired in 2013. He's given them so much over the last 26 years of his career. The, the fact that people want to hound people out straight away. And even with Arsenal fans at the moment, hounding out Wenger and saying Wenger out because of Arsenal fan TV, I found that exhausting as well. And now Arteta is not the best of managers. Even Emery did a better job than Arteta. But mm-hmm. Everyone just wants to replace. Everyone wants the best straight away. You're not always going to get the best straight away. That's why I have a slight guilt, guilt edge respect for Liverpool Football Club with how they've dealt yeah. with Jurgen Klopp and the fact that they've played the long game with Jurgen Klopp and he's done it for them and is doing it for them. And they're one of the most amazing teams to watch. And their £80 million centre-back gets out injured but they just put one of their holding midfielders in. And it looks like he's been playing there all his career. Fabinho. It's that I, philosophy, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just something I want to see happen. I want to see Solskjaer, again, put, at the very least, put on a title charge and win one trophy. EFL Cup, FA Cup, Europa League. Ideally the FA Cup, because the FA Cup still has a special place in my heart. Unfortunately, it's been washed down a bit because people want to say it's not the biggest thing anymore, but... Yeah. Growing up as a child, the FA Cup day was always a special day growing up. And you, you would have known that being a West Ham fan and mm-hmm. I'd have known that being a Man United fan from the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Cardiff for you, the Drogba one for us, the one <sighs> when we lost to Hazard as well. And we've lost, I've, I've seen us lose more FA Cup finals than win FA Cup finals. But mm-hmm. literally that one day at Wembley is, is what you look forward to. Same with the League Cup. But yeah. Do you think you can win a trophy this year? I believe we can. Personally, I think We've got Man City in a one-legged uh, tie for the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup, and then the Spurs or Brentford. It's Brentford, I want to do a whole other episode on because I find them fascinating. Yeah. They're fantastic. The money ball, the money ball thing is fantastic, and I think football philosophers would love to listen to Brentford and how they've done, uh, they've dealt with their business recently. But yeah, I think we could win a trophy. I think with Bruno Fernandez playing the way he is and his link up with Rashford and Martial. We probably need someone a bit more vocal in our team, not just Fernandez, because Maguire is literally... I want Maguire to do well, but he's not the captain for me. I don't see him as captain material for me. No, not at all. There's two or three of them I'd rather put ahead. Fernandez, Rashford, De Gea, then Maguire. I think Rashford needs to be your captain. I'd like Axel Tuanzabi to have a good run of games in the team with Maguire. Because everyone's like, oh, Lindelof's great, it's this and that. But if Tuanzabi, like with Tomori, if you give youngsters a chance, they will 
that will overthrow the established order. Like, I, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of seeing young players come through. And I want I want Cavani to do well in that number seven shirt, but I want people to see how good of a academy we have with our talent coming through. The Archer, man, the Archer. Everton fans weren't happy with him when he did the Undertaker thing. To me, oh, not at all. Not at all. What could you do though when you when you when you live in Paris and Napoli? Yeah, for the rest of your career, you get taught different things. <laughs> you're you're not in the best of environments in Paris or in Napoli, so you have to watch out for yourself, especially sure. when you're. Especially when you're in Goodison Park as well. Got to look out for yourself yeah. when you're there. Dirty little place, dirty little place. Ah, it's all good. But no, we've got a good year ahead of us. We're going to have our help, hopefully, and we're going to have a, another conversation like this in a year's time. We'll have a couple more before then, but in a year's time, if you look back at this conversation and look at where we've come from there, that'd be fantastic to see. Of course, yearly little catch-up review, end-of-year podcast. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see you before that anytime, and hopefully we actually get to physically meet one another of course. before actually just having more Zoom calls like this. So that would be something. Yeah. Well, announcements. So the the mighty purple and black, my next up academy, are forming their actual full on academy in April. It's official now. So I've actually got a, a venue which I'm doing a weekly event, uh, weekly training sessions for age groups all the way from um, under eights all the way up until under fourteens. Yeah. So I'm sure for the first couple of matches that are actual physical, I'll have to get you down to to do a bit of scouting and see if you can critique my coaching and see which boys you like and which boys need a little bit more of that flair, which I like to talk about. Yeah, it would be one of those things. I'd love to see your players. That's what it is. Scouting, you, you just want to see what you can do and you want to see what the players can give you in return as well. If this guy is the next big thing or if this guy need, just needs a bit of push, a bit more confidence in him because... You'll get people from all backgrounds, all walks of life. And even in like with, with me at work, I need sometimes I need a bit more confidence in what I do. And I'm performing just like that. Or some people just need to be told in a certain way. And I can't wait to see that. It'll be fun to see and it'll be fun to visit as well. There you know, we go. We didn't get our special guest on as we wanted today, but that's understandable. I will, uh, I'll tell you why after we finished. No worries, that's absolutely fine. But thank you everyone <laughs> for listening to this special episode of Friday Night Counter-Attack. Please be safe in this new year. Take care of one another. Please be easy and you'll be absolutely fine. But no, thank you very much for your time and take care. Goodbye, everyone. And Moise out, Moise out. Soul shot in. I don't know why I did the X like (laughs) Wakanda forever. But yeah, no worries.